I'm Dr. Lisa Belayo, and you are listening to or watching our video podcast, Radio Maine, where we celebrate creativity and the human spirit, as sponsored by the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Maine. And today I am speaking with author and professional speaker, Christine Newell. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to chat with you. I think it's wonderful to know that your first book is all about gratitude because gratitude is something that we can all use. And I think it really can help us reframe things if we're going through a tough time or even if we're going through a great time to acknowledge when things are going well. So tell me why this was the focus you wanted to take as you embarked upon your career as an author and professional speaker. Well, thank you for the question. You know, I've found personally that gratitude has really been what I like to call a life raft for me. And um, I did uh, survive the downturn of the real estate market. Back then I was selling real estate as a single mom with three kids in Connecticut. Uh, and back in 08, 09, the market had a meltdown. And with it, uh, my marriage had a meltdown. Uh, my financial status had a meltdown. And I found myself kind of at rock bottom and what I like to call my butter moment. Um, but, you know, really the way forward for me was focusing every single day on the small blessings in my life. And that helped to transform me into someone that was grateful. And, um, and in time, I found that I was able to build upon that to help put my life back together. And I found that when I consciously focused on gratitude, my attitude changed. And in fact, my whole persona changed. So I really credit gratitude with helping me to attract the life that I wanted and getting me out of that depressed state. Sometimes it's hard when you're at rock bottom and you're going through really difficult times to actually feel gratitude. It, I mean, it, it really takes a kind of a conscious decision to think, all right, these are some little things that I can be happy for. How did you accomplish that? Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. You know, here's the thing about what I like to call a habit of grateful. It's a little different because the more that you build this muscle, you will find that you can easily use this skill, refocus your attention by telling yourself 10 things you're grateful for in that moment. And you will actually transform your energy in that moment and get to a state of gratitude. So um, if you do it just once in a while, it might not work as well. Of course, it definitely can help <laughs> get you out of a bad mood. But I've just learned that the true benefits of gratitude come from practicing it every single day. And that's why in the book, I talk about um, having a morning routine focused around gratitude. So do you start your day with your 10 things that you are grateful for that are coming up or 10 things that you're grateful for from the day before? Absolutely. I believe too many people wake up, open their eyes, grab their phone and start scrolling. And what that does is it floods your mind with images, um, so many events in the world, perhaps a lot of negativity, um, and it can really set your, the tone of your entire day. So instead, my suggestion is to be very intentional and on purpose, wake up, avoid the temptation of looking at the phone and spend 15, 20 minutes uh, with yourself, uh, you know, and, and I love to, I have a journal uh, and I just literally write down things I'm grateful for in that moment. I then go into some positive affirmations, but this allows you to focus your energy on 
being grateful and thinking about the day ahead. And, you know, I'll just say every day that you wake up and you're alive, that's a gift. Uh, that is the most precious gift to be here, to have a whole day in front of you with a major opportunity, right? Anything can happen. Anything's possible. So it can remind you that even a simp- the simple act of waking up and being alive, that is something you should be grateful for every single morning. Yes. When I used to take care of veterans for patients who are older, and I'd ask them, how are you doing? The, I would often get the response, well, I'm on the right side of the grass. So I thought, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You know, we're, you're still upright, you're still walking around and whatever this world has to offer, you still get to experience it. Yes, 100%. I love that. You said that you were the single mom of three kids and you're experiencing this financial downturn. Um, so not only did you have to be your own inspiration, you also had to inspire your kids. Did you bring them into a gratitude practice with you? Absolutely. So to this day, I love to ask uh, the kids, what are they grateful for today? I found it's a nice way when they get home from school to ask them, you know, not just how was your day? Because typically you get it was fine. You know, (laughs) most kids don't answer that very well. But you know, is there one thing that you're grateful for today? So that's a really easy dinner uh, practice. But and I love the fact that you said, you know, back then, not only did you have to um, help yourself, but you had kids to, you know, obviously be responsible for And I think as moms, a lot of times, now I have four children. I'm very, very blessed to have four children. But a lot of times people say, how do you do it? And I say, well, you're a mom. Like, there's not really a choice, right? Like, you just get it done. You figure out a way forward and you get it done. Um, And uh, and and it's interesting because a lot of moms that practice gratitude include being grateful for their children. And so when you have a tough situation, maybe you're like a teenager or, you know, other moments that all of us moms have, right, secretly crying in a closet. I mean, we, we've all done it, right? Um, you can you practice gratitude. Um, I actually had um, a really, uh, a friend who went through a horrible experience um, during COVID. My daughter was very good friends uh, with a young man named Matt. And I talk about this in the book. And he passed away in a a very tragic and horrible accident. And, you know, that experience as a mom, I will tell you, was, uh, uh, you know, horrific to have to obviously, you know, bear witness to that and, um, and the family and everything that they've been through. But, you know, we have to be grateful for um, being a parent if we're blessed and lucky enough to be a parent, because people lose their children. There are people in this world that want to be parents that are not able to be. And, you know, just taking it down to that singular level of, wow, I'm grateful I have a child, even if, if it's a tough day, <laughs> it can really just change your outlook in that moment. So, um, so I write about that in the book and watching my daughter go through that loss, how it affected her. Um, you know, that was a really, really tough moment for us uh, in our community. The thing that I I'm struck by is as much as we think as adults that we may have tools to offer our children, Um, when you're going through really difficult times, like the loss of a classmate, I'm not sure that we always have the tools that we would like to have for our own children. I think sometimes there are things they get from other people, things they get from classmates, from, you know, school counselors. So it can, it can feel sometimes hopeless. Like I can't really offer you anything. Did you ever have that feeling yourself? Oh, for sure. I mean, the first thing I wanted to do was like lock her in her room forever because, you know, when tragedy is that close to you, you recognize 
um, how easy things happen in life. But of course, that's not an option. Um, but yeah, I mean, even as a parent, I struggled with that for a long time, just, you know, thinking of her out driving and everything. Um, I think that what I did learn is she did get the most support from her peers. They went through this grieving process together and they're very, they were, you know, very tight group of kids, um, and saw her heal little by little, but you know, it's always raw, right? Like when you experience loss and the hurt never really goes away. And I do believe though, that, you know, gratitude is one of those things that can help you when you're going through a really tough life event, like a death, divorce, an illness, uh, because there's so many things that are free. Uh, even if you think about nature, you know, like the beauty of a sunset or the sounds of the ocean, um, you know, going for a gratitude walk, which is a great way if you're, if you like to walk to infuse it with a little bit of gratitude. Um, but it really can help you. And a lot of people I've talked to that have gone through loss and, and tough times, gratitude just emerges like, you know, like, like I said, this, this life raft and it helps get them through. I do think there's something about being a parent too, that, um, just keeps us moving forward, which, you know, I, I used to think of it when I went through a divorce myself and had three children and we were just trying to get us, just get us all to a new place of normalcy as normal as it could be. I always thought of it as putting on my big girl pants. Like I didn't feel like I could really do it. I felt like I didn't have as many resources as maybe even my own children. I'm like, but I'm going to put those pants on and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to put the money in the bank account and we're going to make sure that the rent gets paid. And it, and it just kind of propelled me forward that, you know, at the end of the day, we still have to eat. And that was for me, the good thing about having these children is, you know, there's some very human needs that we were all responding to. And that's several years ago now, more than a decade, obviously, but it, you know, it, it helps. It helps to have other people around you that you need to do things for. It does. Yeah. And I love how you uh, said, you know, you just kind of figure it out. And I agree. I think people think moms have all the answers and we really don't, right? You just kind of wing it and pray and, you know, just trust that you're doing the right thing by, you know, leading with love and, and leading with positivity. Uh, so I think for me, when I look at my four children, it's interesting. People say you make all the mistakes with kid one <laughs> and then by kid four, you're like, whatever, you know? So uh, I agree and, and concur with that. You know, motherhood is very humbling. It's one of the, the it is my favorite job of all the jobs I've had in life. Uh, and, uh, but I think those of us that have gotten through it, uh, we all can kind of wink at each other and smile and, and acknowledge that. <laughs> so, yes, it's very true. And I, I now have three stepsons. So I, you know, collectively my husband and I have six children and I feel like, wow, these are, these are my bonus children. I did not have to actually give birth to them, but they are all lovely individuals, wonderful humans. And, you know, their mom and dad did a great job before I even came into their life. I just get to enjoy them. So, you know, that's actually one of the interesting things about going through one of these sort of fracturing relational things that happens that none of us ever wants to go through is that sometimes you come out on the other side and you're like, okay, well, that wasn't great, but I'm in a better place now. You know, I love that you have such a big family, you know, that's great. And, um, you know, I, myself, four kids and I'm blessed to have, you know, my parents here uh, still and my sister. So I feel like I'm, I'm so lucky. And I do think that one thing I've really tried to focus on is telling people more how much I appreciate them. 
you know, and really trying to use gratitude in my relationships, because I've found that most of us don't say those words enough. You know, even something as simple as when you write a birthday card to that special someone in your family, write an extra two to three sentences and tell them that you appreciate them and why, you know, be very specific. And, you know, there's a lot of studies and research that show when we use gratitude with others, not only do we still get the benefits, which are, you know, um, physical, mental, and just incredible benefits, but then you give that spark of joy to someone else. And it's interesting, one of the things I uncovered in my research, I believe that people want to feel that they matter, that that is really one of the fundamental pillars of happiness and joy and life. So when you write a note to someone telling them that you appreciate them and why, they have this gift that they matter in a profound way. So I think especially with family, it's something we can all do a little bit better. Yes, my mom and dad, but more my mom, really kind of uh, made sure that we all wrote thank you notes really for every occasion. And I still enjoy receiving thank you notes in the mail. And I enjoy sending them off myself. And in fact, just yesterday, I had a tough day at work. And I happened to need to write a thank you note for it was a birthday gift. And I sat down and I wrote the thank you note. And I was like, oh, well, that actually made me feel better. So, you know, I kind of got <laughs> two gifts. I got the gift of the birthday gift. And I got the gift of writing the thank you note, which kind of helped me reframe things. So great point there. Um, Absolutely. So tell me, I mean, you've you've gotten yourself to a place now where you are um, an author and professional speaker. But this is something that you've you've worked up to and you've you've had simultaneous jobs you still have a real estate license um what was the place where you said you know what i'm ready to launch i'm ready to do this next thing and have that be my sole focus yeah i think once i wrote the book uh which came out about a year ago it really just ignited a passion in me to help others and I wasn't prepared for the amount of outreach I got when my book, The Habit of Grateful, kind of launched. And it's been very much like grassroots. I've not you know, widely promoted it. Uh, most people that read it gift it to someone else, which I was very surprised by. I didn't anticipate that. Um, but I have to say, Lisa, like the people that would um, send me a direct message or send me an email or a text or call me, and they said, you know, this book helped me. It helped me when I was in a dark, deep place and your words and your vulnerability and sharing your story has, it's, it's changed my life. It changed the way I'm thinking. And um, so when you get a few of those, you go, wow, Um, you you start to question your purpose in life. And and that's really what happened for me. I mean, I've enjoyed a phenomenal career in real estate for the last 22 years and the last 12 spent in executive leadership. So really working a lot alongside some uh, very high performance teams and, um, you know, in luxury real estate. So the best of the best, but I think I just got to a place where I said, you know, I need to help more people. I want to affect change with many people. I want to get my message out there. So I think the book really fueled that. And it culminated for me, actually, my dad was in the hospital, um, about six months ago, and we didn't know, you know, if he was going to make it a very serious health issue. Thankfully, I'm happy to report he is he's still here and he's he's dealing with some health issues. But, you know, in that moment, it was a wake up call. I said to myself, okay, at my age, I'm late 40s. Um, I've raised, you know, four kids, one more still at home. But if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. 
you know? Um, and I just thought I'm going to just go for it. I'm going to take this leap because I believe so much in the message and, uh, and just made that decision. It was a tough decision, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, as I'm getting started, um, every day <laughs> is a challenge. I mean, you know, I am IT, accounting, marketing, like everything. Um, but, you know, I, it's interesting. I was reading um, Carol Dweck. You know, she's written a lot of books on a positive mindset. And, and I came across uh, a passage and she said, you know, the words not yet. And, you know, not I can't or I won't or I'm going to give up, but just not yet. So I'm being gentle with myself and reminding myself every day, like, okay, you're going to get there. Uh, you'll have, you know, and, and it's just not yet, you know? Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's going very well. And um, I've had so many people reach out. Well, it's interesting that you had mentioned Carol Dweck and also not yet, because that's, that's literally my catchphrase. I mean, and I bring it up. Oh I've, my gosh. I've, I've, and I think I just, I just talked with the last person that I interviewed for the radio show. And that is absolutely the way that I feel because I think it, it enables us to have the sense that, you know, we'll get there. It's, you know, we're just, we're gathering momentum, we're gathering skills, we're gathering speed. And sometimes it takes time to do that. You know, in my book, I actually closed the book out with a chapter about sunset. So here I'm now in uh, Southwest Florida and sunset is really a thing here. You go to the beach, you bring a chair, you watch the sunset, just like you're watching a sports event or a, a live theater event. And um, every time I go, I just, I find myself in a space of reflection and it actually triggered an exercise I did not long ago with a coach in which I went back to the old me, you know, my old house, my kids little, and I really spent time visualizing the old me, talking to her uh, in the here and now and recognizing how far I had come. And sometimes we don't stop and really appreciate our own achievements. I think that's something I don't do a lot of that. Right. Um, and especially to do an exercise like that, uh, it was wild. It was just so wild. So I, the last chapter of the book, I, you know, I talk about doing that exercise and the lessons I've learned. And one of my big turning points in life was when I learned the law of authenticity. And the law of authenticity really is that, you know, you are enough, you alone, you are a gift. And um, it's not about how much money you have or, you know, how beautiful you are, or how smart you are. It's a simple act of being a giver to others and, um, and helping others in life. And I, I feel that as long as I have more to give, um, I'll always have value. And, um, and, and a sunset reminds us of that, right? That life is just a series of the sun rising and setting with that beauty. And every sunset is so different. But what we know for sure is, you know, every night that sun's going to go down. But guess what? Tomorrow morning, it's going to rise again. And, uh, so, so for me, sunsets, um, and that self, you know, inner, inner reflection, um, it was very moving. And, and, uh, so it's, it's great that you brought that up. We live in Maine, obviously we get the sunrise. So I feel similarly about the sunrise, but when I went to California to visit my son and his wife, it was the same thing. The whole beach, um, we were staying near San Diego and, the beach that was just lined with people who are watching the sun go down. And I thought, wow, what a collective experience of mindfulness, you know, that people are getting together and the colors were gorgeous. So I, I feel like even that and that 
um, willingness to celebrate something that doesn't have to be manufactured, it's going to happen anyway, and you do it as a group, is is a great thing to be grateful for. So I think you're bringing this forward as a as kind of a touch point is very moving, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. There's nothing more powerful, and and they say to look for the green flash right before the sun finally goes down. You know, uh, so I'm always looking for that green flash. Yes, I think when I was working with a photographer one time, he told me that. Photographers love the the golden hour just after the sun sets because you still have beautiful colors in the sky, but you don't have this, you know, the shadows that are cast by the sun. So it's like this this whole thing is just an ongoing experience that we all have we all have the possibility of uh, paying attention to. So as you think about your next year or your years ahead you know, what, what, what would you like to manifest for yourself? I mean, ideally, what would you like to be speaking about? I mean, I know we've talked about gratitude and being authentic and not yet. So what are the main messages that you're wanting to share with people that you've found to be important in your own life? Thank you. So, you know, I do have a life list. I think it's so crucial that each one of us has a life list or a bucket list, as some people call it. I just rewrote mine uh, recently. But I believe, um, obviously, that gratitude is very powerful. And I love right now to be out there speaking about gratitude. I also feel that emotional intelligence has a place in the workplace, you know, in corporate, you know, settings, as we call that. I think that when we work, it's not just about the work we're doing. It's about the holistic person. And I believe as a leader, it's our duty to recognize um, the people we work with in a holistic sense and really get clear on, you know, their life purpose and their goals and how you can help them grow. And it's not just them putting in their eight hours. So I, you know, I think that's a very important topic. Um, I've worked in leadership for over 12 years and I always try to embrace that holistic person. Um, So I think that's crucial. And um, I'm also writing a second book, which is fiction with a message. And I do believe, you know, maybe it's a little bit more spiritual, some might say, you know, this particular work, um, but I think there's such a message about, um, you know, a life well lived and filling your heart with joy, giving to others. And I believe that, you know, each one of us kind of has our own self-reckoning, you know, and, and, um, and I think that's a powerful way of looking at life, you know, like you judge yourself, it's not what other people think about you. Uh, it's in your quiet moments. How are you doing? How do you feel about your life? And again, focusing on the principles of giving to others and loving fully and finding joy and beauty in life, which I think is so crucial. So, um, so I think those would be, you know, the messages that are meaningful and have purpose and really help others. I know that you said that you spent 12 years in leadership. So you're obviously well-versed in um, people skills and, you know, presentations and, and working with people one-on-one as you expand your reach and you start doing more, um, speaking gigs professionally, and you're speaking to larger and larger audiences. Do you feel like you're going to be drawing on a different set of skills in order to do this so that you can continue to create a personalized message that reaches individuals, but you're doing it on this larger scale? For sure. I mean, I think I've been fortunate enough in my career that I've done a fair amount of speaking and creating content. Um, So, you know, I feel like I have some of those skills, but of course now it's in a a different sense. 
you know, and I do believe um, that, you know, each one of us has uh, unique gifts and strengths and weaknesses. Of course, I have lots of those too, right? I've learned, I've learned that, um, you know, sometimes my style of being, you know, super vulnerable and, and showing the scars, uh, maybe that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think there's a myth, like there's no such thing as perfection. And that's why I love Brene Brown and her work so much. Um, I was, I was just actually reading one of her old blog posts and she says, it's not a midlife crisis. It's a midlife unraveling. And she talked so much about, you know, we spend the first half of our life kind of, um, you know, running away from all these like, you know, things that bother us about growing up or whatever, or these pain points. And then we spend the rest of our life kind of digging into them and making sense of them. Um, and, uh, so I think that we are seeing more people right now, more uh, research, you know, more talks on the holistic person. I think there's a big place for that at the table, but, you know, I'll, the other thing about, you know, my past 12 years is, you know, I am a person that like smashes every goal. And so basically, you know, in my, in my former career, you know, my last company did over $10 billion in, in sales, um, you know, was, was a few years ago, one of the biggest records we broke. And, um, you know, I would show up every day and just, I felt, you know, give 150%. And um, the, what can happen though, very easily is you can burn out. And so you can give 150%. And the problem is, is then you save nothing for yourself or your kids. And next thing you know, you spend the day on the couch on Sunday because you know Monday's coming and you're charging your batteries. So, you know, that's not good. That's not healthy. And uh, I think we have to do a better job of having, you know, work life balance, especially if you're an overachiever like me. I mean, I'm not saying that is always a good thing, but, um, but we have to recognize again the holistic person. Um, and, um, and, and that's, that starts with you, right? Like that, that started with me and, and I needed to kind of readjust my uh, energy so that I could save some for me. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think particularly as I think with, um, well, women, but also, also people who do not identify as being female, I think boundaries is something that many people struggle with. And that one of the ways to make sure that you have enough for yourself is just, you know, create a little, a little fence around the things that um, you kind of allow and don't allow into the, into the personal pasture. Because it's sometimes hard, especially if you are a go-getter or a perfectionist, you're like, I'm going to do everything for everybody and I'm going to do it right now or yesterday. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But then what happens is you're kind of out there doing all this for everybody else that you're absolutely right. By the end of the week, you, you have nothing left for yourself and you, you can't, I've found personally that it's hard to be creative when I no longer, I've done it for everybody else. And now my creativity, like my bucket is completely empty. It's on the floor, it's rolled away. So, you know, <laughs> so how do we make sure that we, um, I guess, fill our buckets back up again. And sometimes for me, it's been boundary setting. Have you found that to be true? Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it starts ultimately with yourself, right? So I mean, I, and so in having the boundaries and retaining enough for yourself, that is crucial. Knowing your limits, you know, understanding you can't do something after work every single night, you know, five days a week. I mean, you just get exhausted. So knowing when you have to say no. Um, and, uh, 
I think we're all, I, I'm still learning, right? I mean, this is not, you know, and, and especially starting my own business. I mean, I'm, you know, it's funny. My husband said, like, you still don't have to get up at 530 every day and work these crazy days. I'm like, yes, I do now more than ever. I got to get this thing off the ground. Um, but um, I do think that having, staying in a positive mindset, I know my batteries have a long, longer charge, <laughs> you know, and I live in the positive um, and I do have really, I'm so blessed. I have the most amazing friends and family and, uh, and they also help recharge your batteries, you know, just, just others. And um, it's interesting. I was reading a book by Brendan Bouchard and he says, you know, we are our own energy manufacturing plant. Like we make our own energy. So if you're feeling like you're in a slump or you're too tired, you know, that's on you. And he has a lot of different exercises that you can do, you know, both physically get up and move around and do certain things. Um, as well as uh, mental health, you know, ways. But I also feel that, um, you know, getting good sleep and limiting like the alcohol, it's it's so easy to just come home and drink wine every night and that's not good for your sleep. So I think there are some self-care things we can do. Um, you know, I love to take a nice bath and read a book. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but I'm always reading two books. I'm always reading a fiction book because I love fiction and a nonfiction because I love to learn. And so I have two going at once and I kind of go in and out of both of them. So Christine, what are you reading right now? Oh my gosh. So I just finished The Giver of Stars. I think I have it here by Jojo Moyes. If you've ever, The Giver of Stars, that was great. That was a really fun book. And I'm in a book club um, with some ladies, uh, which is is great because it's a fun way to talk about fiction. So I'm reading that. And then I um, am reading a coaching book, which I don't know where it went, but I'm reading a coach uh, coaching book because I am doing some, some coaching. And um, this particular one was fascinating because it talks about kind of the old style of coaching, which was uh, being tough, you know, like you had to be tough on players, say if you're you know, a basketball football coach and this illusion of toughness, which it's a, it's a great way to try to force results, but it, it's, it's not the best way. Um, and instead, um, you know, coming from um, an encouragement kind of um, basis to to get performance, to help someone reach their, you know, top potential. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of bopping in and out of so many books. How about you, Lisa? Are you reading anything fun right now? Well, you and I are on the same page, literally, because I also have multiple books going at once. And right now, the the book of fiction that I'm reading is called Mercury. And it's about a family in a small town that um, has a roofing business. But I just I love the interplay, the personal interplay um, amongst all the family characters. So I'm really enjoying that book. And then I also um, I listen to a lot of books on Audible because I do a lot of um, time on the road. And I happen to just be listening to a book about boundary setting. So, you know, it's funny how these things kind of exactly, sometimes (laughs) you attract the things into your life that you need. So, but I'm glad to hear about the the coaching piece um, that you described, because I think it's, it's really true. And we're, we're actually in a new era and we need to be thinking about how we move people forward in a way that is less damaging than perhaps some of us have experienced in our own lives. So I'm really glad to hear that that mindset is changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, the more people that I've worked with in my life, you know, if someone comes to you with a problem, you may feel you have the solution, but in fact, they don't want you to give them the solution and and that won't be effective. Instead, they're actually looking for someone maybe just to vent to, um, and if you ask them the right questions and help lead them to 
figuring it out, you know, or discovering it, um, you know, that in my eyes, that's the definition of a coach, you know, kind of holding up a mirror uh, in a way that is just very helpful. And, um, and so it's a skill set, you know, um, but, but I also feel that asking questions in general is just such a great way to converse with others. And I try, I try to have a, a thought and focus on that, you know, to ask questions versus just always speaking what's on my mind. Yes, that, that is actually a great point. And you're so right about the fact that if you tell people what to do, generally they don't really like that, don't really want to do it, will push back, especially in this day and age. Directive leadership, I think, is not as effective as perhaps it once was. But if you somehow get people to a place where they think that it, something was their idea, and maybe it was, maybe you actually give them the space to create their own ideas, then they're going to move forward in a way that um, is probably faster uh, than if you had done it the old-fashioned way. So, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you're thinking about that. So, when do you think your next book will be out? Oh gosh. Uh, well, I'm I'm working on it now. It's actually coming along pretty well. So, I hope to finish it maybe like May, and then um, you know we'll be looking for the right publisher since it is a fiction. Uh, novel, but you know, kind of with a message, a spiritual element, a little bit of fantasy uh, in there. So a little different than my last book. Very good. How can people find out about the work that you do, Christine? Well, thank you for asking, Lisa. So I have a website and it's christinewnewell.com, uh, Christine with a K. And I also have an Instagram that I, I like to post on as well as LinkedIn. Christine, it has been a lot of fun to talk with you today. Thank you for reminding me to be grateful in my life. And I'm sure people listening will feel the same way. So I do encourage people to go to your website and learn more about the work that you do as an author and professional speaker. I am Dr. Lisa Belisle. You've been listening to or watching our video podcast, Radio Maine, which explores creativity and the human spirit as sponsored by the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Maine. And today it has been my wonderful pleasure to speak with Christine Newell, a author, an author, and a professional speaker. And I really wish you all the best in, in this next exciting adventure that you're engaging on, Christine. Thank you so much for having me.